You're listening to Seattle Real Estate Podcast. After a deadly weekend, Seattle's mayor, Mayor Jenny Durkin, says it's time to rebuild the police force that has lost 250 officers. What's going on? All of a sudden, we've reimagined, we've rethought public safety, and we need more cops? This is shocking. This is a shocking development. Now, in all fairness, Mayor Durkin has said all along, yeah, we probably shouldn't really defund the police because less cops on the street isn't necessarily the answer. But I think politically, last summer, the whole defund the police thing was just such a big rah, rah, rah thing, except for anybody with a sense of reason. People who are reasonable are like, yeah, I don't really want to defund the police. You know what? Let's try that in your neighborhood first. Let's see how that works out. Jeez. Mm, mm, and I'm not saying defund the police has caused the amount of shootings that's happened. No, definitely not. Hasn't helped. And having fewer police officers on the ground, you know, spread out over a city, that doesn't help either. But it's not the primary cause. And we've also seen a rise in, in violent crime and in gun violence in other cities that didn't have the level of defunding that a Portland or a Seattle had either. So that's what we're talking about. We had a pivotal weekend here in Seattle this past weekend, bunch of shootings. We're going to get into that. Um, and then we've got the mayor had a press conference with interim chief Adrian Diaz. He's the uh, Seattle Police Department chief. And you know, his stance, well, we need some more cops, you can't really provide safety to a city this big if, if you don't have enough cops. I'm preaching to the choir here, you guys know what the deal is, you're reasonable people. This is just some nonsense that has come full circle after we reimagined and rethought public safety. Hmm, here we are. Shocking, I know, right? We need more cops. What? We need more cops? All right. Before we get into it, if you're new here, my name is Sean Reynolds. I own a couple of real estate companies. Why am I reading a new story? And I read the news. And so why am I reading a new story about this? Public safety is important in real estate. If you have communities that aren't safe, guess what? They're not going to do well. If you have communities that are safe, people buy more homes there. Let's be honest. That's how this works. That's why we're talking about public safety because it's become an, it's become an enormous issue because people are shooting each other left and right willy nilly human target practice. That's what's going on in the streets out there. And it's not limited to Chicago. It's not limited to Portland. Now we've got it in Seattle. Let's talk about it. Let's see what's going on. All right. So this is from Hot Air. There were four people killed in Seattle early Sunday, plus at least six more injured in unconnected shootings. This was in addition to another deadly shooting that happened Friday night, bringing the total weekend to five deaths. For Seattle, that's a big weekend. We don't usually have, we have maybe one death a weekend, you know, ish. Many weekends passed and we've got shootings, but people don't get killed. So the shootings continue in an ongoing uptick in gun violence that's already killed or wounded more than 200 people in King County so far this year. The unrelated shooting Sunday morning occurred in the Belltown. All right, so that's north downtown Seattle. Think of the big buildings in downtown Seattle. That's on the north end, Belltown, Pioneer Square. That's kind of in the heart of the grunge district. Um, think a bunch of bars in a square. Yeah, kind of rough. 
Chinatown International District, okay, that's to the east of downtown, but still bordering um, it, its Chinatown, and the Capitol Hill neighborhoods, Chop, Chaz, Cal Anderson Park. That's literally where it happened. So today, Mayor Jenny Durkin gave a press conference about the weekend violence in which she pointed out that lack of police staffing was part of the problem. Tell me it's not so. Tell me that when you don't have enough police officers on the street, it might be a problem. Oh, wow, that is some that is that is some news right there. We've been talking about this since the whole defund the police thing was out there, right? I don't think that's really a good idea. This isn't going to work out well for communities of color. How many times have I said that point blank? A lot. And now we're like, oh, yeah, we probably, yeah, all those police officers we lost. And let's get back to that. That's the title of this story. We didn't lose them. It's not like we can't find them. It's not like lost luggage. The cops left, and I don't blame them. I would too if I were a cop and I had to deal with the nonsense they had to last summer. That's the bottom line, right? We didn't lose them. They're gone because city officials didn't have their back, and we just hammered on them. Ah, this is all your fault. This is all your fault. And we've basically taken away all of their tools to handle a lot of this violence, we're no longer prosecuting crimes. What was once a crime is no longer a crime. Even when they do do their job and they arrest people, our attorneys, ah, it's okay. Try better next time. I'm going to just put you back out on the street. That's happening on the daily, on the daily. So this is not, this is not a shocking deal. This is like, ah, okay. Hmm. Ooh, have we have we talked about that before? Yes, we have. That's the answer, right? Today, Mayor Jenny Durkins gave a press conference. So we're talking about the police staffing was part of the problem. Over the past 17 months, the Seattle Police Department has lost 250 police officers, Durkin said. She continued, we're on path to losing 300 officers. This is the mayor talking. And the mayor has said consistently, I, I the mayor is partially to blame here. But she has consistently said defunding the police, she's not on board with. And that's part of the reason Shama Sawant, our genius uh, member on the Seattle City Council, led a march on her house, on Mayor Durkin's house. And that's one of the reasons Shama Sawant, council member, is up for a recall that she is trying to push forward as well. Just a mess here in Seattle. So you got, you know, maybe we've got 300 police officers, but the mayor is just coming right out and saying, oh, we need some more cops. We are creating meaningful alternatives. But as I said last year, the city has an obligation to still continue constitutional policing and respond to 911 calls. All right. So when the mayor wasn't fully on board with defunding the police by 50%, because she knew, when this kind of stuff happens, you got to have cop enough cops in the street. Seattle doesn't have enough cops. Portland doesn't have enough cops. Minneapolis doesn't have enough cops. Chicago doesn't have enough cops. Here's what you get. And who gets impacted the most here? You got it. Communities of color. Not unexpected, losing these numbers of officers when city leaders talk about cutting the department by 50%, you will lose employees. Families need security. Workers, even police officers, need working conditions to support them. We cannot just cut. We need a plan. Oh, we need a plan. Is that a familiar? Is that a familiar uh, war cry? Mayor Ted in Portland. We need a plan. We need. A, we need a plan. Yeah, you do. 
You need a plan. Defunding the police without a plan, not a good plan. And I've often said, hey, you want to put some more money into community programs, get that whole thing going, that's fine. That's going to take time for it to work through these young kids to the point where they're 18, whatever it is to 24, the demographic that 70% or something of these shootings are occurring. It's going to take time because those kids out there now that are just, you know, shooting each other willy nilly, they're not going to change. They're not going to change. And they're always going to get a hold of a gun. It's not it's not the gun. It's like the blaming the fork for making you fat. That's not a thing, is it? And yet we blame guns on guns, you know, killing people. They're a tool. They don't make choices. They're a tool. Durkin went on to say that next month, she would submit plans to the city council to recruit more police officers to make up for those the city has lost. After she spoke, police chief Diaz also had some comments. Our city is experiencing the highest number of shots fired in recent history. And just a few weeks ago, we had over two dozen shots fired in a week alone, Chief Diaz said. He said it represents a 40% increase in shots fired compared to last year. The city has also seen a 100% increase in drive-by shootings. I am no statistician, but 40% increase in shots, you're going to hit some people. 100% increase in drive-by shootings, that's going to result in some people getting shot. These are, you know, facts don't care about your feelings, right? Then he repeated what Mayor Durkin had said, noting the city was down nearly 300 big police officers in the past two years. 300 big ones. Just, they're down. He noted that five days a week, officers are only able to respond to priority one 911 calls. So you got priority one and priority two. That's basically what they're operating on, right? Meaning a call where there is an imminent threat of violence. That's what they're working on. Your car gets stolen. Good luck with that. You know what I mean? Just all other crimes. All right, we'll get to you when we can. But um, for the most part, you're on your own. I need more officers, Diaz said. He said he can work on hiring, but it requires making it clear to officers' current perspective that they will have our support financially and otherwise to do this job well and know that they will not be laid off due to budget cuts. In other words, the city needs to reject the defund the police nonsense being pushed by Black Lives Matter. Let me read that to you again. In other words, the city needs to reject the defund the police nonsense being pushed by Black Lives Matter. Period. Right there. That's kind of what you need to know, right? Because that is that is so much of why the police officers, they either quit, or they took extended leave, or they made lateral moves to other police departments, or they retired in massive numbers, because the city didn't have their back, period. And in, te- in fact, I stood there during the peaceful protests that were not peaceful and listened to the Black Lives Matter and the other protesters basically telling the police to kill themselves. I mean, if that's in your job description, take verbal beat down day in and day out. Um, yeah, I don't blame them for leaving. I just don't. It was horrific what the police endured in the peaceful protests. It was horrific. So it's not surprising that we're down a few hundred police officers, right? Earlier today, the Post published a piece by Megan McArdle making the case that a decline in officers and rising crime creates a vicious cycle where fewer people are held accountable. 
That is, I believe, entirely true. And also, when you're just when your attorneys, your district attorneys aren't prosecuting attorneys aren't holding people accountable, you're literally not holding people accountable. A higher crime rate makes further crimes even more likely the after mentioned vicious circle. Conversely, lowering the crime rate can create a virtuous circle in which committing crime becomes less attractive. Those vicious or virtuous cycles can be further exacerbated by other factors. When crime is high, people may not even bother telling the police. That's what I think a lot of what is going on. When I was growing up in New York City, few people bother reporting crimes unless they involved grievous bodily harm or needed to be claimed on insurance. Deprived of information about the community, police became even less effective. That's what's going on right now. The kinds of alternative strategies that Democrats, including our mayor, like to talk up, from housing supports to pilot programs to assisting recently released inmates, may help. But in the short term, there is no substitute for police on the street to deter crime and crack down on offenders. What? There's no substitute for cops on the street? Hmm. And yet, mayors like uh, Lori Lightfoot, no, the commissioner down in Portland, they're not really there to, to prevent crime. They're, they're there to solve it. I mean, just some knuckleheadedness, right? And if we don't take care of the short term, we'll find it much harder to handle the long run. And that's exactly where we sit right now. Our short term is not looking pretty because gun violence is on the rise. There's just, there's no way it's, it, it, you're going to see more and more of it in the media. And that's why I've kind of, I've, I've, shifted a lot of focus to following these news stories because at one point in time, you know, it's at certain points in time, you can kind of go, oh, it's a big city. There's, there's a lot. Shootings happen. Stuff happens. You know, those kids, you know, they, they just, you well, know, they shoot each other. And now you're going to have more of these stories like, what do I got here? Two men shot and injured on I-5 early Tuesday. Two men on their way to work were shot while driving on Interstate 5 south of Seattle early Tuesday morning, state police said. You got stories like that. People are losing their minds and shooting each other. It seems to me that Seattle is, learn, is learning the lesson the hard way since the CHOP was set up last year. Hiring more officers is a good idea, but as Chief Diaz points out, you can only do that if you can convince the prospects the city has their back. With the city council that we have right now, if I was a cop, I'd be like, oh, it's going to take a big bonus for me to come on board. I wouldn't be a cop in Seattle. No. I'm not sure the city can do that given the current members of the city council is literally the next sentence. Here's a local news report. Okay, the violence, we're not going to get into that. We're going to go to the Seattle Times. In wake of violent weekend in Seattle, Durkin says police and community-led efforts are both needed. I do believe they are both needed, but the community-led is going to take a long time. So going back to what I was saying earlier, you need some more cops on the street pronto. Sooner than later. And yet, last summer, it was so fashionable oh, to fund the police by 50%. I mean, now, do it now. That was literally on the signs at the entrances to chop because I was there and I shot video and yeah, that was the thing. Now, I, I mean, I'm sure the Black Lives Matter and Antifa and everybody else who was on board with that concept, they're still on board. Everybody else is kind of like going, Ooh, yeah, mm, not good. Ooh, yeah. It's like that, uh, is it Barbara Boxer? Is that her name? The uh, California Democrat uh, retired 
80 years old. She couldn't understand in Oakland why somebody jacked her, why somebody assaulted her and stole her cell phone. Couldn't understand. Well, this is kind of what's going on. Welcome to 2020 and 2021. This is happening. A surge of gun violence in Seattle over the weekend continued through Monday morning and Tuesday, with two additional shootings reported as police and city leaders grapple with how to respond. In total, between early Sunday morning and Monday morning, four people were killed, I think it was five, and seven were injured in six separate shootings across Seattle. That is uncommon. That's it's flat out uncommon. In a city where the push to defund the police department has gained political momentum and leaders, activists, and law enforcement officials continue debating what the future of policing should look like, Mayor Jenny Durkin argued Monday that the spike in violence shows there are times when traditional policing is still needed. Hmm. Really? Shocking. Huh. I mean, wow. That is, that is some groundbreaking information right there, right? And the rest of us are, we're basically all just doing, I told you so, right? I mean, aren't you guys like, hey, you don't even really need to read this podcast. It's so self-explanatory. And yet we had the whole, well, let's reimagine and rethink policing and not really have a plan and let's defund them by 50%, but not really have a plan. Uh, you know, what are the plan? We should send out unarmed social workers, yeah, we're here in Portland. We're 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 gonna we're gonna hire more park rangers. That was the plan. That has not gone well. It's a false choice between community-led solutions and police officers, Durkin said. We need both. Agreed. But in the short term, you need some more cops and good luck hiring those guys and gals. Early Sunday morning, eight people were shot, three fatally, in four neighborhoods in the span of three hours in Belltown. Pioneer Square, okay, we already read that. Then late Sunday, there was another fatal shooting, this time in Lake City. That is roughly Northeast 130th and 33rd Avenue Northeast. I think that was the intersection where that, nope, sorry, 127th block of 33rd Avenue Northeast. So Lake City is to the north and east of downtown. Um, call, call it a 20-minute drive. 28-year-old man was found shot in the chest just after 10 p.m. Seattle Police Spokesman Valerie Carson said witnesses saw the victim returning to his apartment when a vehicle pulled up. Multiple people opened fire. Drive-by shooting. Another person was grazed by a bullet but did not require medical assistance, she said. I can't believe how many stories I am reading where people get shot and it's like a non-life-threatening injury. Anytime I get shot, I'm considering that a life-threatening injury, and I understand the difference. But it's kind of like, oh, I, I don't want I don't want a bullet coming that close to me that it's penetrating my skin and yet not really hurting me. That is some scary stuff, right? On Monday, yesterday, a 39-year-old man was wounded in a shooting about 8:30 a.m. at an encampment near 8th Avenue in Yesler Way. Great. The man who was shot multiple times was being treated at Harborview Medical Center, and his injuries were not believed to be life-threatening. All right, so I've got a map here. We got Lake City, we've got uh, downtown, we've got. Uh, I mean, it's it's just it's all over. The shooting is literally all over. Few details have emerged about what led to each shooting. Oftentimes, that's the case, and you'll read it's an emerging situation. It's emerging, but. Cops are not going to be able to solve this because they're on to the next one, right? Police said they are unrelated, but haven't shared information about suspects or victims. 
The scenes where they occurred are varied. A park, an encampment, outside a bar, outside a nightclub. A Sunday morning homicide in Belltown, and I'll think uh, Saturday night, is the only case in which arrests have been announced. One of the suspects in that shooting had his first court appearance Monday morning, according to the King County Prosecuting Attorney's Office. 25-year-old from Tukwila is being held at the King County uh, Jail in lieu of $2 million bail. Good which a judge set Monday after finding probable cause for second-degree murder, according to court documents. The man was arrested early Sunday, call it Saturday night, after a fight broke out at Ohana Belltown, a sushi restaurant and bar. Police responded to Ohana at 1.48 a.m. and said they found the fight had spilled into the street, the crowd mostly dispersing into a nearby parking lot, according to probable cause documents. As officers were clear, were clearing up the fight, they heard gunfire and people screaming that someone had been shot in an alley behind the 2200 block of First Avenue. Probable cause documents said they found a man in the alley with a gunshot wound. Seattle Fire Medics attempted life-saving measures, but he died at the scene. Officers took several people into custody at the time, including the 25-year-old Tukwila man, who later told police he was at Ohana for a birthday party when the victim got into a fight with the bar owner. He attempted to break up the fight and stay outside, but when the crowd started moving outside and dispersing in the parking lot, he saw the victim hit someone and knock him to the ground. He reportedly told the victim to calm down and admitted to pushing him against the wall, hitting him at least once in the alley, police said. As the victim started to walk away, the 25-year-old told officers he heard three or four shots go off in the parking lot behind him and decided to scare the victim by firing a warning shot in the air. Instead, however, he pulled the trigger while he was swinging his arm up and shot the victim, probable cause documents said. My son Kiernan was at the Mariners game last night. You might have seen this. Two guys got into it over vaccination, I think. And one guy, a pretty big dude, he unloaded two hard rights, just snapping this guy's head back. The guy didn't go down. It was pretty impressive. But the guy had some big cuts on his head. And my son Kiernan was sitting very close and he watched this kind of happen. And he said the police didn't really step in. Security didn't really step in. The guy doing throwing the shots, he kind of walked up and out. Not really sure what happened, but did anybody get, you know, thrown out? It used to be you had a fight. There were cops and security all over, all over. But now they don't want to get involved because everybody's got an effing gun. You don't want to get shot. But man, I got to that guy who threw those those punches yesterday, those were solid punches. And the guy who took them, who was clearly wildly inebriated, I do not know how that guy remained standing. Look for that video, Mariners game fight. It happened literally in uh, kind of, you know, in the ballpark up, up and down one of the aisles. It was, it was just insane. Back to our regularly scheduled program. We're back to the Tukwila kid who shot somebody in uh, Belltown. The man told police he knew it was a bad decision to pull out and fire his gun in a crowd and that he had intended to scare the victim, not shoot him, according to the documents. This is where guns go sideways. Uh, if you tend to, you know, scare somebody with a baseball bat, you might not kill them. One shot with a gun, they're done. Seattle Times generally does not name suspects until charges have been filed. The second man arrested in connection. He was taken into custody. All right. Locally and nationally, shootings and homicides have increased over the past year. 
uh, just shootings are going, they're going through the roof. Over the last weekend, officers across the city responded to the shootings and managed the crime scene, Diaz said. Many worked past their normal shift or started shifts early, he said. And they're not taking time off, vacations canceled, just because you don't have enough cops on the ground and you're you're working on priority one and priority two. Everybody, it's forcing tr- tough choices we're, we're talking about here from Diaz. I'm down a remarkable number of, pl- of officers and I have a reduced and restricted budget. So what do you want the cops to do? What do you want the cops to do? Well, you know, we were rethinking and reimagining. And when we did that and uh, all the police quit, now we're, oh, what do we do? You need to hire some more cops, right? I mean, that's just kind of where we sit on this one. So here's a little section on gun violence in King County. Officials say gun violence increased in King County in the first half of 2021. The number of people killed in shootings was up 48%, while the number of people wounded in shootings was up 65% over the four-year average. All right, so total number of shooting victims, firearm homicide victims, 42, non-fatal shooting victims, 154, for a total of 196. Total number of shots fired incidents, 580. Here's the shooting victim demographics. This is what I want you to focus on. Of the 196 shooting victims, 85% of them are male. Eight and a half out of 10. Eight and a half out of 10, the victims. 70% of them are 18 to 24 years old. They're kids. I used to say that when you got somebody that you're age 18, they're capable of going out and getting a job and being productive members of society. I have since, and having raised two children myself, I've got one that's at 25 and I got one that's at 20, 27, 28, can't remember, 28. That's it. Um, I've revised my, you know, fly little birdie fly, them being able to fly now to 25 after being a parent all these years. It's it's now 25. And I deal with a lot of millennials. And I love millennials. I have to have them to run this podcast. I have to have them to run my two real estate businesses. They are an integral part of today's society, because they understand the tech thing. They understand gadgets, they understand all this ridiculous nonsense that I don't. So you got to have them. 18 to 24 years old, 70% of the victims fell in this category. Here's the other shocker. People of color, 80%. They made up 80% of the demographics of people getting shot and or killed. See, male, 18 to 24, 80% of them people of color. 49% of them were black or African American, almost half, almost half. So this kind of goes back to the, the whole thing of those who are going to be impacted the most by the defund the police are going to be the ones that the whole movement was created for that was aimed at making their lives better is actually in in these statistics, these shooting statistics, we're saying the opposite is happening. And that's that to me is the real shame here. I don't have any direct answers myself other than Right now, I mean, th- this is my opinion, looking from the outside as a real estate guy, keep in mind, I'm a real estate guy. Um, you need some more cops on the street, and you need to pump some more funding into these programs. All right, we'll figure out the ones that work the best. But 
you got to start working those communities as well. These communities have to start raising people that aren't willing to shoot each other at the drop of a hat. Firing off a warning shot. Oh, I was raising my hand when I fired that warning shot. It went into said individual and killed them. So this is where we're at. The fork doesn't make you fat. Don't focus on the guns. Focus on the people because it's the people pulling the triggers. That's my call. You've got some guns out there. You've always had guns out there. You've always had weapons out there. If you want to believe in caveman, you know, did they run around beating each other with big, you know, the big sticks, the prototypical caveman stick? Yeah, probably. If you believe in the Bible, biblical times, the Bible is loaded with stories of war, violence. You're always going to have violence. Guns just happen to be our weapon of choice in today's society. And they're easy to get. And most of these crimes are happening not with legally obtained firearms. They are happening with stolen handguns. And they're not happening with guns with 120 round clips. 120 rounds, whatever the president said. No, that's you read these news stories. And I do so you don't have to. They're with a stolen handgun. They're a handgun, handgun, handgun. Every now and then you might get some kind of assault rifle where they open up. Um, but, you know, assault rifles are big and they're awkward and they're hard to hide. Handgun, you can toss that. Odds are won't recover it. You can hide it, put it in your pocket, carry two. I mean, you know, a little Glock 9 millimeter. Why do you think they're so popular? Maybe you shave off the serial numbers, the ghost gun thing. Uh, yeah, parts you can create, you know, buy parts and create a gun that has, you know, you know, no serial numbers. I don't think that's a thing because we're not finding these ghost guns on the streets in record numbers, finding stolen handguns. That's what's creating that that's that's that is what people are using to shoot each other, I should say, because it's it's I go back to again, the fork doesn't make you fat. It's you putting food in your system and having a calorie surplus versus a calorie deficit. You the person make the choice you the person make the choice to pick up that stolen handgun, put it in your pocket, carry it to wherever and shoot somebody. So hire some more cops. Continue the community investment programs, get police training so we don't have these incidences where we've got the whole George Floyd deal. And it seems like a pretty simple approach. But, you know, I'm a reasonable person and reasonable people uh, don't really get listened to in today's society, do they? Ah, we, we got to blame these, got to blame these, yeah. These other guns, it's these other guns, and it's these other gun dealers bringing in the guns. They're the ones to blame. That's not the case. That's not who's doing the shooting. Not saying having a plethora of hand goods is good for society. I don't think it is. And I think a lot of these guns could be taken off the streets and nobody would really miss them. But people who want to get guns, they're going to. They're going to get stolen guns. They're pretty easy to do. You're not going to prevent that. So put some more cops on the street keep people safe. That's, that's kind of my dealio. That's where I'm at. Where are you guys at? Let me know. Let me know in the comments. Here we are. I will keep covering this because guaranteed, this is going to be a topic that is going to go for a long time, long time, because you're not going to change 
people's habits that are in the 18 to 24 category, they're pretty much done and baked, right? As a parent of 18 and 24 year old kids and now are 25 and whatever, the other one can't remember, 28, um, those people aren't, they're not necessarily going to change. They're not going to get to age 19 and go, oh, I get it. Now, their habits are in place. If you're a parent, you're going to have a hard time changing somebody. That's why it's so hard to, to get kids off of drugs in that age demographic, get them to get a job, all that stuff. Their, their coding has kind of been baked. Um, that's what I think. Yes, you can learn. Yes, you can make changes. But the more, majority of folks out there that are shooting each other, that's going to be a tough sell. It's going to be a tough sell. All right. Again, I'm Sean Reynolds from Summit Properties Northwest, Reynolds and Klein Appraisal. And I will see you guys soon. Until then, stay safe. We'll catch up then. Bye for now. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel and hit the notification bell so you'll know when our next video is out.